Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. With One Sonic. High definition audio noise cancelling headphones designed in Ireland. Visit onesonic.com. This is News Talk. Welcome to Tech Talk, Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, we'll hear from Design Partners, the Brave-based company that's working on everything from a gaming mouse to transformational medtech. OneSonic Audio will join us to talk about their new in-ear headphones and Jonathan Keane will give us the latest on the e-scooter legislation. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. But we're going to start this week with Cormac O'Connor from Design Partners. Design Partners is a company based out in Bray and it is one of the most exciting and innovative companies uh, to follow online. I follow them on Instagram and I love seeing the projects that they're working on. Uh, But the spectrum of things they are involved with is a bit mind boggling. So Cormac has previously been on this programme. We spoke in Las Vegas at the Consumer Electronics Show a number of years ago. And he told me how the team out in Bray worked on designing the best-selling gaming mouse of all time, which is just incredible. So I'm delighted, uh, Cormac, that you're with us once again. Uh, Talk us through some of the the projects that you've been involved with recently. Sure. Great to talk to you again, Jess. Um, We're working on incredible projects, I guess, ranging from the future of sustainable consumer electronics to even more advanced gaming devices to wearable technology, to the future of human-robot interaction even. So really great projects that are hugely varied. Um, But one of the threads through all of our work is that it's focused on elevating human potential. People are at the center of everything that we do. We try and solve complex problems for people that enhance their abilities or their performance or their well-being. And even that gaming mouse that you mentioned, most of the work we do is in collaboration with the great clients that we have and Logitech have an incredible team of design and engineers. So everything we produce has that focus on, but is very collaborative. You mentioned the word sustainability there, and that is something that we know is incredibly um, in focus in the world of technology at the moment. We've seen some of the biggest tech companies in the world host product launches in the last number of weeks. You know, Apple, Google, Samsung a few months ago. And significant portions of all of their presentations are now focused on the environment and the sustainability of their products. Does sustainability need to be built in at the the concept, at the design stage, so that it is fully sustainable versus, you know, just not having a layer of plastic on the box? Great question. And you're 100% correct. The earlier that the sustainability of products considered the better. We can't jump towards solutions blindly. We need to be informed on the new products or experiences potential to impact on people's lives and planet. In fact, 80% of products impact is determined at the design stage. So it's so important to have the sustainability mindset from the off. And there are tools um, that can improve a product's footprint. Uh, One of them is called an LCA. That's a life cycle assessment. And that's a tool that can help steer anyone who's in the product production or manufacturing sector towards the best path to find the right steps in the journey to ensure that no effort is wasted on routes that won't yield the best results. 
So if we look at some of the tech hardware, and again, I don't want to focus in on any one company, but if we do look at something like whether it is a mouse or a keyboard or, you know, the frame around a monitor, anything like that, is it a challenge or is it an opportunity for you guys to look at this thinking, okay, well, how can we create something that does elevate the potential of the gamer, the user, the worker, the whoever is using it, but also ensuring that the materials are whether they're recyclable, whether they're more sustainable, whether they're more durable. Like, do you get excited by that challenge of trying to do things in a new way with new thought processes in mind? We do incredibly and and more more than just excited by it. We feel that it's part of our purpose on this planet as designers. We have this responsibility to create products that are meaningful for people, but are not having an impact, a negative impact on our on our planet. Um, but it's a huge opportunity to create new experiences, to not accept the way it has been for the last number of decades, to reinvent things for the better. And it's actually a very complicated um, problem to solve because simply replacing, let's say, a, a plastic box that a product comes in with a more sustainable uh, material is only one small fraction of the impact it has if it's a consumer electronic product. In fact, the electronics are what you need to focus on. How can we harvest that? How can we uh, make sure that it's repairable, refurbishable? You know, people have a right to repair their electronics. So in the design process, it's so important to consider all of those factors. Does it ever get frustrating, though, when, you know, if you're sitting down to do something, a new iteration of a product that you've worked on before, and you know you could do it and you could do it amazingly well with, um, you know, I suppose products that you've used before that may not be the best for the environment or that may not be the best in terms of giving people that opportunity to repair and having to come up with an alternative that could be either more costly or more time consuming or more intricate. Is that a frustration? It's not a frustration if you follow the right process. So starting off with an LCA, with a life cycle assessment, that study gives you the biggest opportunities to improve the product in both its experience and its sustainability. So once you start off with the right place and you have a sustainability mindset, then the whole process becomes really exciting. Everyone works towards that singular mission to try and solve very complex problems. And like you said, sometimes it might mean that the end result is more expensive um, in the short term, but that will reduce over time. And then it becomes the responsibility or the the co-responsibility of the people purchasing these to make the right decisions as well. So I think the more closer the those large brands that you mentioned are connected with their consumers and are listening to them, the better it'll be for everyone. We've covered, obviously enough, quite a lot of the new innovations when it comes to technology over the last number of years here on Tech Talk. Are you guys constantly looking at the trends that are happening in the tech space, whether that is, you know, remote working, whether that is AOR, VR, any of these new concepts and thinking, how can we produce something that will serve the end user to be more, you know, productive or to be happier when they're engaging in these different practices? Short answer is yes, absolutely. One of the things that we do is every every quarter, every three months, we we publish a, a a rapid body of primary research that we do as a team, and this is exactly looking at those trends. What are the changes in behaviour um, of people? For example, um, when COVID hit, we noticed there was a huge change in behaviour in how people were looking at fitness and fitness in the home. So we did a really in depth study. 
uh, in that space. And all of these reports, we publish them for free to just share our experience and those trends because you know, our mission is to elevate human potential as a, as a product design and innovation agency. And the more we share the behind the scenes, the working and the thought process, the faster people can innovate to create products and experiences for the better. Mm. Um, so we, we've spoken about sustainability there. Another big trend for big tech companies, particularly um, anyone who's watched any Apple event in the last little while will know it's all about the user well-being. So whether that is placing screen time management at the core of the operating system, whether that is better health features of the different wearables and so on, they are very much you know, ramming at home that they care about the user well-being, that they want to use preventative methods to keep people well rather than treating them when they fall ill is that a space that you guys have looked at as well it is in, in fact in, in in our latest report around the the future of human and artificial intelligence interaction we touch on exactly that the idea of predictive and preventative healthcare healthcare is one of the primary areas we work in we've got an incredible dedicated healthcare design team um in that space and part of our expertise is in the design of wearable tech. You mentioned Apple, their uh, their Series 7 Apple Watch was just announced there last week. Um, that's what most people are familiar with when they think about wearable or wearable tech, you know, wristwatches and smartwatches. But actually in the healthcare sector, having technology embedded closely with the human body allows for more predictive and preventative healthcare. Imagine a future where you could... Um, stop someone becoming ill because you've detected the 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 early onset of the symptoms um and that's kind of an incredible meaningful future to aspire to so the next wave of wearables will be in will be smart garments technology integrated into the fabric of the clothes we wear um that might be scary to some people having mm-hmm. more technology embedded on their body but actually when you really think about some of the areas that we work in um like in heart monitoring for example um you know, it's it's so important that we look after ourselves and our own health. Yeah, this is something that I am incredibly interested in for a number of reasons. But I do think, as you said, people will initially balk at that idea of like, oh, God, I don't want more technology. I don't want to be monitored 24 hours a day. But if you are someone with a condition that is impacting your life and, you know, you are conscious of, particularly with the heart, um, like what your heart is doing, how it's reacting. If you are someone who gets, you know, whether it is palpitations, whether you're someone with atrial fibrillation, there are so many different um, issues that are out there. And having a medical grade device on your person at all times, I think could be a game changer for quite a few people. Um, Talk to me a little bit about what you've done in this space and how exactly you integrate something into the garment because we've heard notions before of like smart t-shirts and the idea is that it'll monitor or you know distribute your sweat and all that kind of stuff. This is something slightly different to the fabric itself. This is actual technology within a garment. That's right, yeah. If you if you imagine what you know some of the smartwatches do, they can they have sensors that can pick up you know biometrics from your body like your your heart rate, and they can analyze those and with yeah, really intelligent algorithms be able to predict um, or even just monitor um, your your health and your well being. Um, so every project that we do begins with research, um, and in this space of kind of wearable technology, we we noticed that there was a bit of a gap 
you mentioned kind of atrial fibrillation, you know, arrhythmia or this abnormal heartbeat. It can be harmless or it can be life-threatening. And we just don't know. And most people uh, who aren't qualified physicians or healthcare professionals, they'll start getting anxious or worried when you start thinking about that. And there's some statistics out there that show that um, it's, in it's increasing and there's very limited options available to doctors to assess patients with irregular heart conditions. The most common uh, way to uh, monitor your heart is a Holter monitor. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I have some first-hand experience in wearing a Holter monitor. I had some a number of different kind of heart concerns that uh, forced me to, to wear a Holter monitor for 48 hours. And you have to go into a hospital, get it fitted. They put these uh, wet electrodes on your torso, you've got a whole bunch of cables attached to a, quite a large kind of electronic box that you have to shove into your back pocket or wear around your neck. Uh, very intrusive, cumbersome device. And then when you're going to work, uh, it's clear that something not quite right with Cormac's clothes today. Um, so you're never really given peace of mind. And in my case, um, I was getting an incredibly high heart rate when I was doing a specific type of exercise, but the Holter monitor was so restrictive, I couldn't, I couldn't even replicate the issue that I had. So when I was going back to the clinician, I, I wasn't 100% convinced that the data was accurate or correct. Um, and that is some of the issues with the, you know, with the smart watches that they don't provide continuous monitoring mm -hmm. for something as important as that. So we, we decided to look at this um, complex problem area with the expertise we have in the team. And we really believe that to make a breakthrough you need to know that for every complex problem, there's an incredible solution waiting to be found. So we put our best team of designers, wearable tech experts and engineers on it to try and solve this. And we've created a, a wearable vest or a t-shirt that is really comfortable. You put it on, you don't even notice that it's got electronics in it. It's got a little pod, little brain that's just sitting on the corner that's very unintrusive. And it provides continuing heart monitoring for weeks yeah this this has the potential to be game changing i think one thing we need to sort of talk out though is anything to do with um medical information anything that is offering potential insights to your health or the health of someone you care about it is incredibly important that it is um accurate and that it is medical grade you know if you are going to trust it and buy into it i often say that with some of the wearables you know don't live and die by what's what's popping up on your 60 euro smartwatch like you know you need to make sure that it is of the highest standard from the design point of view and from the i suppose getting it to market point of view there must be a lot of hurdles to get over and you know, proofs of concept that have to be delivered in order for it to get to a stage where, you know, you could potentially be going down the street wearing this. Correct. Yeah. I mean, the, I guess the downside of a lot of the work that we do in the medical sector is that it's highly confidential until these products launch. So we can't talk about them and celebrate them. And in the medical field, it can take years to get a product into the user's hands, particularly um when it's a surgical device or something with a high grade of regulatory requirement just needs to go through that very important rigorous testing before it gets to the users of the healthcare professionals hands so one of the things we've started to do is to develop our own innovations separate to our clients and to publish them and to share some of the behind the scenes of how we work and design partners to inspire others but also to help speed up 
the innovation that's happening within some of the larger healthcare firms. Um, we focus on finding areas where we can solve these complex problems. And this idea, this ECG vest that we've called Project Visero, it's been shortlisted for Fast Company's most important healthcare designs of 2021. So we're very proud of where we've gotten it to, which is this proof of concept, uh, a, a working unit of it that can create diagnostic quality data but we're only at the beginning of the process of trying to get it into users' hands. It must be exciting, though, when you get recognised uh, with you know accolades like that, but also particularly for you as somebody who has gone through the process of having a health issue, not having full confidence that the data is fully reflective of the reality of what's going on inside your body, to be able to create something that in a few years' time could potentially offer others that peace of mind, there must be a great sense of satisfaction with that. Yeah, I think I think to most designers are incredibly empathetic and we're relentlessly curious. So we're, we're always interested in how we can improve people's lives. And we become very emotionally invested on almost every project we do. We're trying to solve a very complex problem. And yeah, when it hits home uh, or when it's got personal connotations to the solution you're trying to find, obviously it's that bit more meaningful or you're that bit more inspired to find an incredible solution. Um, but this is something that's kind of a, a, a global issue that is, uh, A, we need great technology to enhance the experience, but B, we need to be very empathetic. Like you mentioned earlier, having a, a, a piece of technology stuck to the body isn't a very desirable experience. But what we've tried to do um, in our wearables lab, this is a part of our facility that's led by an incredible design consultant called Sarah Urasini. Um, we've tried to design this uh, visceral vest as a simple undergarment you can put under any piece of clothing. It's very discreet. The, uh, the technology that we use is quite innovative. We've actually used printed electronics. So instead of having kind of hard circuit boards or even flexible circuitry that you could still feel if it was embedded into a piece of fabric, We've printed the electronics onto the fabric, so it's completely unintrusive to your body. It's non-invasive, so there's no kind of surgery or any any kind of um, anxious moment. You simply don a T-shirt and you live your life. Yeah, no, it is, it's incredible. Um, one final thing I wanted to ask you, we've heard quite a lot in the last little while about supply shortages and the impact to the, I suppose, the tech sector as a whole. Is that something that you guys have encountered or experienced at all? Have there been any, I suppose, massive interruptions to your behind-the-scenes work that leads us to have these brilliant products that can be uh, life-changing? Yes, we have. There's been a number of large projects that we've worked on um, with various clients that these kind of shortages impact the speed um, or maybe even the volume of incredible new products to get into consumers hands typically what it means is a delay but sometimes it means we have to rethink and find better solutions or even just to preempt well if there if there's a possibility of a shortage down the line could we find a a more sustainable solution or a uh, a different option that allows us to get these into people's hands because often the work we do um you know, by the time our design is finished and we're working with the manufacturers on the fine tuning of it, we just can't wait for it to get into people's hands because we want to see how the product does, how people react to it, so we can then 
start improving on it. Well, look, it's always a, a great pleasure to talk to you. I'm a huge fan of what you guys do and I can't wait to see what you do next. Uh, Cormac O'Connor from Design Partners, thank you so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thanks, Jess. Coming up next here on News Talk, we'll get the very latest on the e-scooter legislation. Stay tuned. Tech Talk. Tech on News Talk. With One Sonic. High-definition audio noise-cancelling headphones designed in Ireland. Visit onesonic.com. Techtalk at Newstalk.com is the email address if you'd like to get in touch with the show or you'll find me on Twitter at Jess Kelly NT. One of the many tech stories uh, this week was in relation to e-scooters and the legislation that we have been waiting with bated breath for for quite some time. Uh, I'm joined now by the journalist Jonathan Keane to talk through what exactly happened this week and what is yet to happen before e-scooters are fully legal on our roads. Uh, Jonathan, how are you? I'm very good, Jess. Thanks for having me. Um, so can you just talk us through what happened this week? Because there was a lot of hoo-ha about it, but it's it's not completely over the line yet, sure it's not? Uh, no, not quite. Um, but what happened was, uh, the, the banner issue was that the Cabinet approved the, the Road Traffic and Roads Bill. And in a nutshell, that gave kind of a, a legal certainty and regulation around the use of e-scooters on Irish roads. Um, this has been in gestation for a long time. Um, but with the Cabinet passing it, uh, approving the legislation, um, it seems quite likely to be passed by the end of the year, which will bring this legislation into, into effect and would allow would allow e-scooter rental companies to launch services in Ireland and also provide legal certainty to people who own their own um, e-scooters as well. So it creates a new classification of a vehicle uh, called a, a powered personal transporter to use some legalese, but basically an, an e-scooter uh, under this legislation. So that was the main main uh, change that happened uh, this week at Cabinet. Do we know what uh, when this legis- if this leg- legislation does come to pass, what the requirements will be for users? Firstly, individuals who own e-scooters, and then the companies that um, you know make scooters available to, to rent or to hire. You know, will there be any licensing in question? Will there be certain criteria like helmets, lights, and all that kind of jazz? Um, the, the main things in, in legislation is providing. Um, a guidance around the, the speed limits and, and where they can be used. Um, so it, around a maximum speed of 25 kilometers an hour, which is pretty much the, the industry standard for a lot of e-scooters. So, um, and, and then when it comes down to where they can be used, um, obviously there, there, there'll be a ban from places like uh, motorways, for example, or kind of bigger roads like that, but used within cities on say, um, you know, cycle lanes, but not on footpaths. So these are the sort of kind of rules that we put in place um, are allowed to be put in place by the, this legislation. The, the big thing will come down to how it will work in practice will be by local authorities and who they're going to allow, say for um, e-scooter rental companies, how many they'll allow, how many e-scooters they will allow in their in, in their cities, on their streets. Um, so it's still a bit unknown exactly how exactly it'll work in practice, but these are kind of the, 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 the rules in, in, in writing so far. I know you've looked at this sector quite extensively over the last number of years and there are quite a, a few of those companies ready, willing and eager to bring e-scooters for hire to the cities in Ireland. But they're a bit of a pain in the face in certain parts of the world. I was in Lisbon recently and I think it's Lime scooters are everywhere to the point where you're nearly falling over them. It, like, it's it's like, yes, there will be legislation. And as you said there, there will be elements of guidelines. 
But do we believe and have faith that they will be fully enforced or are we going to end up like Lisbon where you have scooters everywhere you look? There have certainly been a lot of growing pains for the e-scooter industry in Europe, um, in several European cities. Um, as you, you mentioned, the Lisbon example, um, but there have been horror stories in several European cities around um, e-scooters kind of you know, discarded or kind of dumped on, on the side of the road or, or on foot, footpaths, uh, blocking footpaths from people walking or, or wheelchair users and uh, or even just kind of general kind of uh, misuse of, of, of e-scooters. So there have been a lot of challenges for the industry in, in various uh, cities around how e-scooters are used. We've seen a lot of talk from the companies and there's about, I'd say about two dozen companies that have, have in, voiced interest in launching in Ireland in, in some form or fashion and um, you know, touting new technologies for you know, ensuring that they aren't used on footpaths, for ensuring that they're not um, parked um, in the wrong way or not dumped. Um, now, how much that technology will work in, in practice, I, I really can't say, but Ireland is in somewhat of a unique position in that because we're one of the very last countries in Europe to legislate and allow for e-scooters um, on our roads, we can kind of look to the various other cities and see what they've all done wrong and may perhaps try to avoid that. Now, how that all works in practice still remains to be seen. There'll certainly be growing pains in, in Ireland as well. I mean, we don't know exactly how the uptake will be and what the public reaction will be. And there'll certainly be people that don't like it as well. So. It all again, once again, it, it, it's a it, it's a bit of an unknown still. Yeah, I think the the point you made there of like it's great in theory and it's great to have things written down and to have a little guidebook and so on. But I know in my local area, for example, there are so many kids, and by kids I mean people who are under sixteen flying around on the e scooters. And if it's in a housing estate or if it's in an area where there's no police walking by. I mean, how are you supposed to police that and monitor that and ensure that they are being used safely? And I think one of the last times we spoke, we made this point, we both made the point that, you know, all it takes is one person to use an e-scooter irresponsibly and then everyone gets tired with the, what, with the same brush. So it is going to be a, a big headache to begin with and God knows for how long. Yeah, I think we can kind of look to the UK for some examples of that because the UK are in a somewhat similar position to Ireland. They started trials uh, but a little over a year ago, I believe last summer, um, and there have been issues there certainly around, around people misusing e-scooters again on footpaths and that kind of thing, and also people even using them when they're when they're drunk. So um, really, the, the the policing will be um, a big issue. Um, I think that's also going to be linked to just how many e-scooters want to be allowed on the streets. Um, how many people or how many um, scooters say these companies will be allowed to deploy at any given time um, and how, how, how can that can be controlled and policed because I mean if you're going to flood say with thousands of e-scooters on the street and then there's a massive uptake then there's going to be a, a mismatch there between policing and actual use. Yeah, no, we focus quite a bit on the, the negative sides and the and the concerning sides. And I have to say, I'm coming this uh, to this as the point from the point of view of someone who has an e-scooter. I love the idea of e-scooters. I live along the Lewis line. I don't drive. So to be able to comfortably and legally be on the roads with the e-scooter would make a whole lot of sense from my point of view. So I'm not being a negative Nelly just for the sake of it. But talk to us about some of the positives of these e-scooters, particularly when we look at the future of our cities and so on. It does make sense if and when they are used correctly. Yeah, I mean, there's been a massive discussion around how we use our cities, um, especially over the last year and a half. Um, 
around how we get around, how livable our cities are, um, how kind of we've often seen a lot of people supporting car-free cities and more pedestrianisation, so more and that also means more you know cycle lanes, for example. And, and e-scooters have, have definitely positioned themselves in in, in that discussion as um, a greener alternative for for, for getting around just this micro mobility um, option, where you don't need to own a car, you can hop on a bike and go from A to B, or hop on a scooter to go from A to B as well. Um, so they've very much positioned themselves in, in in that discussion as the future of of, of cities for for micro mobility, getting around um, in a more more livable city. So that that's very much, I guess, the vision that these e-scooter companies have um, for. For, for transport in, in, in urban areas. When we look at the, the use of things like the, the Dublin bikes, the city bikes that are around, um, like I can only really talk about Dublin because that's just where I live, but the bikes are there. There was a great upsurge in use, I think, a, a number of years ago. Obviously with COVID, the cities haven't been as busy, so the demand hasn't been there. Do you think the pandemic, the work from home thing, that may have scuppered some of the plans for the dozens of companies who were assessing the viability of bringing e-scooters to Ireland? I, I think a lot of the companies um, in, in, in a lot of their kind of um, announcements in, in recent months about wanting to launch in Ireland have been very much focused on, as I mentioned earlier, the kind of the reimagining of, of cities. Um, I think to your point about working from home and remote working, Perhaps um, has thrown a bit of a spanner in, in, in the works in that if there aren't as many people commuting, um, then there won't be as many people using these scooters, at least that's at least in theory. But um, we've, we've certainly seen um, some companies are still bringing people back to the office as well. So I don't think there will be a complete end to you know the, the, the commute. I think there will certainly be a market there for it. When these services launch, just what the uptake will be, um, I, really, I really don't know, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> we'll, we'll soon see, I suppose. And in terms of the companies that are, you know, have eyes on the prize in terms of Ireland, do we anticipate those services to be rolled out in the immediate aftermath of the legislation? Or do you think there will be a bit of a, a period of trying to assess how exactly and when and where it will be enforced before any company makes a big decision? I think it'll be a few months before we actually see services up and running and um, a lot of this will come down to the local authorities and, and how many people or how many companies they want to um, allow to operate and, and issue licenses to um, just to use an, an example of say say like Paris um, which used to have a lot of e-scooter operators and then really reined it all in and, and only issued three tenders to three companies I, I, I think it could be a situation like that just use Dublin as an example to allow only a small number of operators to launch. So there'd be a lot of assessment that goes on into that. Um, so I, I don't think we'll necessarily see, you know, dozens of companies suddenly launching services. I think it'll probably be much more controlled than that. Um, so I think uh, to your point there, there'll be a lot of assessments made by um, both companies themselves and for uh, local authorities. Okay, I, I said to you earlier on before we came on air, I feel like we've been talking about this and, you know, preempting this for many, many years now and it's not quite there yet, but another positive step on the journey towards legislation for e-scooters. Uh, journalist Jonathan Keane, thank you so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thanks for having me. Tech Talk. Tech on News Talk. With One Sonic. High definition audio noise cancelling headphones designed in Ireland. Visit onesonic.com. 
techtalk.newstalk.com is the email address if you'd like to get in touch or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. Before we go any further, I do need to let you know the winner of last week's competition. We were giving away a stunning 55-inch Philips Ambilight TV and the lucky person that gets it is Shane Callahan from County Kerry. So a huge congratulations to Shane and we will hopefully have more prizes for you in the coming weeks. We are now going to talk about one of the Irish businesses that I have been incredibly happy to see go from strength to strength. Uh, I featured them quite heavily last year in the lead up to Christmas as one of the Irish companies that you should absolutely support because they make quality product. Uh, It is one sonic audio. They make headphones, audio products um, and they're just incredible quality and value for money, which is a big thing as well. I'm delighted to say David Cawley of One Sonic Audio is with me yet again. Uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, it's been a busy week for you guys. You've launched some new product. Tell us what exactly you've unveiled to the world. Sure has. Hi, Jess, and hi to your listeners. So this week we launched our third product in our range, which is our MXS HD1 noise cancelling earbuds. So, yeah, very exciting week. We've been working on the product for a good long time, so it's great to get the product out and on the market. So for those who aren't familiar with the full OneSonic Audio range, talk us through the different products that you already had and where the, the new ones will sit in that lineup. Yeah, sure. So our original products are our current range um, up to this week is our BXS HD1 earphones, which are a TWS a Bluetooth wireless earphone, great sound quality, uh, retailing at 60 euro. So a nice entry level earphone, but I think from uh, from what we can see and feedback from our customers and stuff really really good product at that price range which we believe anyway and we can see that ourselves anyway so uh, and then our second product is our bbhd1 headphones which is a noise cancelling headphone um with a dual digital mic a uh, really good sound quality again so they, that, that's our range that we launched uh, 12 months ago and our third product now our mxs hd1 noise cancelling earbuds they sit that this product sits above those two uh, it has noise cancellation, which is um, it's a very it's a, it's a it's a great feature to have in an earbud because you don't have the you normally get that you know from a headphone you can get noise cancelling but in an earbud it's it's a much neater uh, solution really so um, yeah it sits above those and it basically essentially it's a it's a higher level product. But it's still not going to break the bank when you look at the the I suppose broad spectrum of earbuds headphones whatever you want to call them. There are ones that are hundreds and hundreds of euro, but you've still kept this at an affordable enough price point for the quality of the tech that you're getting. We sure have. Yeah, we benchmarked the product against the Apple AirPod Pro. Um, it's a that's a, the Apple AirPod Pro is a is a very good product in fairness, but it's also like two hundred and fifty to two hundred and eighty euro, um, which we've always felt that sort of price for a device that you could essentially lose or drop and break or put in the wash, you know, it's, it's quite a lot of money. So we are, our MXS is at 130 euro and essentially we've benchmarked against the likes of the AirPod Pro and many other products between our price range and that. And we essentially have, you know, once we got to our um, design for manufacturer prototype, um, we essentially had a product that we felt was every bit as good as some of those higher price point products. How did you go about, um, you know, developing these? Because when we spoke before, you've said that, you know, everybody on the OneSonic Audio team comes from an audio background. You're passionate about this. You are very aware of what sounds well, what doesn't sound well. So how have you crammed all of this new innovation into something that looks really, really good, first and foremost, sounds amazing, 
but then it's still, as you said, not going to break the bank. Um, you know, I think people often forget that sometimes seriously hard work actually pays off. <laughs> um, and I'm speaking for myself and not just the team, but myself and my team, we have worked really, really hard the last 18 months. Um, so we are all looking forward to Christmas at this stage, I have to say. But it's very, very satisfying because, you know, when we got um, our first manufactured product of our MXS, when, it, you know, we'd everything finally done and we got the product and listened to it and, you know, just to see it, it's just, it's so satisfying because it's such a great product. So essentially, you know, we have our, we, we, we basically have a world-class um, audio R&D facility here in Dublin 24, and that's where we do our design work. And, you know, there's been many long hours and late nights there over the last 18 months in getting our products to the point that we feel they are, um, you know, that they're, they're the level that we want. Um, and because we're all audio and kind of, we have a music background, we're, we're very critical of ourselves, um, which is a really good thing because it means that, you know, product quality, audio quality always comes first with us. We're not, um, we're not an investor-led company, you know, we're not like some of the big corporates that are always keeping one eye on the share price and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, and essentially those guys have profit as their number one priority. We absolutely don't. We have people and product as our number one priority. So I think that's, that's kind of a root, that's a root um, feature or characteristic of Sonic, and it comes out in our product basically. Yeah, so describe what they look like. Again, if people haven't had a chance to see them yet, if they don't follow you on, I follow you guys on Instagram, so that's how, how I saw them. Uh, so describe what they look like, the design, and then some of the functionality. Yeah, sure. Well, any of your follow, any of your audience there, follow us on Instagram, and you'll see all of our lovely content that our, our uh, graphics guys have put together. But basically, um, the MXS uh, noise cancelling ear, earbud, we've silicon tips, so we've small, medium, and large silicon tips. Um, which, you know, that allows the product to be customizable because everybody has a, a slightly different ear potentially. So um, we have the silicon tip solution there. And also it's a, it's a different, it's a different shape and a different fit because with noise cancelling, you have mics in different places. You need to put your battery in a different place. So it's quite a different shape to our uh, initial BXS earphones. Um, but it, it, it's designed so that the silicon tip piece can reach nice and deep into your auditory canal. And also that the bulk of the of the earphone of the earbud then essentially sits in your outer ear and there's very little protruding out, but there is a small stem, but we've kept that very flat to the ear. So if, for example, you wear a helmet or, you know, if you for some reason have something pressing against the side of your head, pressing against the side of your head, we don't have a, a, protr a protruding piece there. So um, it's kind of hard to describe, but yeah, uh, follow us on Instagram like, like you did, Jess, and you'll, you'll see what I mean. It also sits, as many of these uh, buds do, in a casing that will charge the, uh, the earphones as well as keep them safe in your pocket. Um, battery life is super important when it comes to these things. Talk to us a little bit about um, what sort of range we can expect to get from these earbuds. Yeah, so the earbud itself, with the noise cancelling, it's a, it's a bigger challenge because the noise cancelling feature uses more power. Uh, but basically, we're still getting five hours um, typically, and if you're operating at a lower volume, you'll get six hours out of each earbud charge, okay? And the case will charge the earbuds four times. So with the case fully charged, you essentially have 20 hours of operation until you have to plug that case in again. And it's a wireless fast charging case, um, which is a great feature. I have to say, I never appreciated, maybe in years gone by, the benefits of fast charging, but being able to plug you know, it's, it's about USB-C. We, we've moved everything to USB-C now. Um, mostly we were before anyway, but the wireless fast charging is a great feature. So you can get charged up pretty quickly and get on the go again, you know. 
You mentioned a few minutes ago when you were talking about the design and um, the different tips that come with it because some people are still a bit uh, cautious when it comes to in-ears uh, particularly wireless in-ears they're they're a bit apprehensive maybe that they'll fall out that they won't sit comfortably is that notion mm-hmm. gone now you know are these the ones that you can wear if you're going for a run or you know i always wear headphones when i'm doing the weekly food shop that type of thing yeah it's it's very interesting how we've evolved in our use of audio devices and um, it's it's definitely not an issue that has gone away across the industry. I'm, I'm still really surprised when, like we obviously buy everybody else's product, we buy everything so we know what is hap- what's happening, you know. Um, and I'm really surprised by how badly some stuff fits. I, I've, I've, I just don't know, what, I don't know how some of the, some of the big brands in particular, um, you know, some of their product just doesn't fit well and it's ergonomically not well, not well thought out. But we've, we've invested a great deal of energy into that aspect because if your audio device doesn't fit properly, um, it, it, it doesn't matter how well it sounds after that or what functionality it has. So um, we definitely feel with the MXS, it's, um, you know, it's a really nice fit. It's ergonomically very well designed. You don't notice it in after, you know, five minutes. You don't realize it's there. And that's always a point that we try to get to. Um, so, no, I don't think the issue has gone in the industry, but I definitely think that we've um, done a really good job there in terms of ergonomic design. All right, so that is the MX, uh, MXS HD1 and uh, they are from OneSonic. They're €130. Euro. We're obviously coming up to Christmas and I know people won't like me talking about Christmas as of yet, but I'm going to be starting my gift guides on the Pat Kenny Show very, very soon here on News Talk. Are you guys all ramping up and gearing up to be the, the ultimate uh, Christmas gift yet again this year? Absolutely. Um, we have. I, I think this time of year we have, and across the year, we have two types of customer um, that we've kind of identified now. We have our Christmas shoppers, and obviously it's it's very ideal for us here in Ireland that we're based in Ireland. Our fulfillment is from Dublin, so if you buy our product, you will get it the next day. So that, that really suits the Christmas shopping thing up until about, um, you know, if, if it's online, up until it's somewhere in the middle of December, depending how how much pressure is on our post system and all that. But, um, yeah, we'll certainly be, be gearing up. But our, our other type of customer then, obviously, is... Uh, we've noticed a lot of people who are really actually into their audio. They've identified the fact that um, from an audio perspective, we, we always deliver. So um, we are very much gearing up for um, all of our customers for Christmas and for Q4 um, as it is now. And we're also launching another another product. So it's exciting times ahead for us between now and the end of the year. We've, we've, a, lot of, we've a lot of work to do still, still Jess, in terms of um, uh, our customers. But yeah, we're pretty much there. So are you going to launch another product this side of Christmas? Yeah, we are. We're, we're launching our Bluetooth speaker, which is, which is our first Bluetooth speaker. Funnily, this is the product that we've worked on longest. And um, we started working on our Bluetooth speaker a number of years ago. And then we we reiterated design a number of times. And then we felt that, you know, the market had, had actually changed. So we're launching a Bluetooth speaker on the, the official launch date, the 5th of November. And it's basically, um, we're staying true to our roots. It's a Basically, from an audio perspective, it's I think the best word to describe it is it's a belter of a speaker, <laughs> um, really good sound quality, 60 watts, uh, which is enormous for um, something this size. It's about it's about 300 mil wide, so it's, a, it's in the larger range, um, and it's, it has true wireless true wireless stereo, so you can set it up in your kitchen living room, uh, set up a pair of these, and you essentially have surround sound. Um, and we've designed it very much with that in mind to create a really good audio experience with just two. Um, of our speakers so yeah great product and we're, we're really excited super excited about um, that launch brilliant i can't wait to, to get my hands on it and put it through its paces and um, another thing that we should remind people 
particularly as we come up to Christmas. There was a big focus on it last year because of COVID and supporting local and all the rest. But you mentioned it there. You guys are an Irish company. This is all happening here in Ireland. So if people want to support Irish designers, producers and so on, you, you tick all those boxes. Yeah, sure. And, you know, it's not a card that we ever actually uh, kind of, I always felt a bit uncomfortable just saying by us because we're Irish. That, 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 that kind of happened last year. But it has to be said at the same time that the Irish consumers last year and, you know, I think as a society, um, the best definitely came out in everybody last year because it, it wasn't just us. There was many other indigenous Irish companies that, that sell like superb product. Um, and the, the support that we got and that a lot of other Irish business got from our home support was, it really was, it was amazing to see, you know, um, very heartening to see. And, and it is what we do here in Ireland. We, we kind of, you know, we take care of each other, look out for each other. And that, that did definitely um, help us last year. So we very much hold um, our own home audience as number one. We export across Europe now and, and to the UK, but we very much hold it. If put it this way, if we're running out of stock and we know there's still people in Ireland who want to buy our stock, we want to prioritise those. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great stuff. Well, I am a huge fan of the brand and it is great to see you guys go from strength to strength. I can't wait to see what you do next. And I'm also very excited to get my hands on those new products. Uh, we will bring you full reviews here on the Pack Any Show on Newstalk. Uh, but onesonic.com is the website if you want to go on. Maybe treat yourself to a pair of headphones, get a few Christmas presents. Uh, they are very, very good quality and they will feature on our gift guides, I have no doubt. David Cawley of One Sonic Audio, thank you so much for joining us here on News Talk. And that is all we have time for this week, unfortunately. If you missed any of the show, you can, of course, listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. John Fardy's up next here on News Talk. I'll chat to you next week.